This episode, you'll meet Jim Fisher, retired Air Force major who hosted and visited a French exchange cadet while we were at, while we were at the academy. Uh, upon graduation, he flew RF-4s and F-16s on active duty and has enjoyed an, a long and still active post-Air Force career in national security. He's a hard one to track down because he, uh, he stays off of social media. So I hope you enjoy this. Mercy. Well, Jim, thank you for doing this. The, uh, I always ask one question to get us rolling, and that is what message do you have for the uh, incoming class, the current cadets, the recent grads, and the old goats like us? Oh, boy, that's a good question, John Boy. I would say it's never too late to uh, change your mind, but if you're, <laughs> if you're serious on what you want to do, the road ahead is, is fraught with great uh, expectations, great uh, achievements, and probably a little sadness, but it all makes life worth living. And I think you've uh, made a wise choice if you decide to stay on the path you've taken. Cool. So speaking of staying on a path, how did you get on the path? What, what got you to the Air Force Academy? Well, uh, I guess the thing that I would remember is I've always wanted to fly. And uh, it was either that or become a TV repairman. Uh, those were my two choices. And uh, I think in retrospect, I made the better decision. But I, I've always, uh, I flew a lot when I was uh, growing up to visit my brothers and sisters. There are seven other fishers in the family. So I would visit them around the country and... Uh, I just loved the thought of flying and thought it'd be cool to be a flyer. So uh, I thought the only best way to get the uh, flying education at the time was to go to the Air Force Academy. Not that the Naval Academy didn't have a flying program, but I tended to be seasick a lot. Uh, <laughs> I get a Dramamine I, I, in car sickness. So I thought a boat is not where I want to be. So, so now, now did you, I thought you, now, did you grow up in one place or did you move around? No, I was. I grew up in a small town in Indiana called uh, Washington, which is yeah. about two hours south of Indianapolis. And uh, it's a rare rural town, 10,000 people. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, something to get out of, you know, my little town at some point. And uh, but no, I was a small Hoosier boy. And were you like the star of the high school or what was that deal? Uh, I don't know. I was a scholar of the high school again, back when I grew up, it was a very, I was raised in a Catholic family. So the Catholic high school back in those time, my graduating class was uh, 28 people. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, and that includes the nuns that were teaching us. Uh, but the public high school, which was up the road from us had about 1200 kids. So, uh, you know, in that time when we grew up, there were only three sports that we played. It was cross-country, basketball, and baseball. There was nothing else. And so the coach of the football or the coach of the cross-country team was the assistant basketball coach, and then he became the baseball coach. So you pretty much had a, a path if you wanted to play sports was that. So uh, that's what I did growing up in high school was, I mean, there was band, but I was never good uh, tuning my own horn. So uh <laughs> I, I decided that the basket, the sports, and I was the first one in my family that did that. So, yeah, I grew up in a sporting, uh, sporting community, and we were never going to be, you know, the Hoosiers that you watch the video of. But it was an enjoyable growth, and uh, I don't regret growing up in the small community. Yeah, no, that's cool. And now, 
It's interesting. You mentioned you had a bunch of brothers and sisters that lived around the country. What were you the youngest? No, I was. I was actually, as my dad would say, I was number five. So <laughs> I was. Sometime I would be called number five. My real name is James, but uh, I always went by Jim because I thought James was too formal. So he would never say anything but James or number five because if I wanted to name you Jim, I would have called you Jim. So. <laughs> You know, but I called you Jane. So uh, I had brothers and sisters who uh, grew up in, and moved around, some on the East Coast in the D.C. area, some up in the I have some in Texas and some on the West Coast. But uh, and I had a brother up in Milwaukee that I went to visit a lot. So back in those days, airline travel was not inexpensive. And of course, you probably remember you dressed up to fly back then. Nowadays, oh, yeah. you're lucky to see people in flip-flops and you know not showing half their body with what they're wearing but uh, back then it was a very formal occasion to fly so uh, I just thought it was kind of a cool to think that I could do that to go fly and ride an airplane but I wanted to fly one now I remember and you don't have to go into this in detail if you don't want to but I remember you used to brag about doing some torturous things to critters when you were growing up Oh, I think we all did, didn't we, John? <laughs> well, not like you. You had some really Well, we had, you know, I, I did have, you know, I, I guess we won't have to say, uh, you know, I, I don't know, back in the days when we grew up, you know, fireworks was a big thing. And I don't think if people even know the term M80s or uh, what they used to do. But yeah, we used to, we used to, you know, M80s were a quarter stick of dynamite, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the things you could do with those things, you know, you throw them in the pond and, and, you know, they don't go out in the water. Their, their fuses are lit in. I've never seen a turtle head float up like that before, but it was kind of interesting. <laughs> That's how you used to go fishing, right? <laughs> you know, we were never, we were never hard pressed for catfish at the Fisher house. That's <laughs> That's that's where the name comes from. Right? That there you go. <laughs> Although I do, you know, I I do remember my neighbor. I mean, again, kids today don't remember how it was when we grew up. But back in the days when we were youngsters, we used to have things called alleys, and garbage disposals were something that were other people. Uh, you know, maybe you heard about them, but back in the day, you'd have a big fifty-gallon silver can that you would throw your trash out in the in the. Uh, or the garbage in those cylinders. And, you know, those things would sit for a week yeah. with the, you know, and, and of course, remember all the maggots and things that would, <laughs> you yeah. lifted the lids up and boy, if something ever dropped there, it was with the ages. If you ever dropped your glasses or a pen or something in there, that was to the trash man. And, you know, it's just, but my neighbor had a pit. And again, when we were growing up, he used to burn things. You didn't redo the burial that you do today. Yeah. And of course, he was a big catfish cat, uh, fisherman and he brought back one that was a 55 pound catfish. And I've never seen a sledgehammer pounding so hard on the head of this catfish trying to kill it. And what? it was still making the gills sounds. And this was an hour after they pulled it out of the river. So there's certain experiences that you just never forget when you're growing up, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So that transition from that kind of country, country life uh, with adventures to the freshman year at Air Force, how, what kind of transition was that for you? 
Oh, well, that, you know, as, as you probably, well, I don't know. I, we don't talk a lot about our past when we come up to the academy. I will just say that, you know, academically, I was not the uh, sharpest tool in the kit. Let me just put it that way. And I think it took me four SAT tries before I had the minimum amount to get into the academy. Wow. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that it wasn't a bad number. It's just that it took me a while to get there. So uh, it's going from Indiana, a small community of 10,000 to a community like Colorado Springs. Um, and of course, uh, with a family of total of eight, we couldn't really afford a lot of people to come out and see me off. So I remember, you know, the flight into Denver and then taking a bus and you never knew what was going to happen to you. You know, you just, you spent the first night at somebody's uh, location. You know, they were friends of the academy that would put you up for the night. And then the next morning you had that death sentence to show up. at the. <laughs> well, no, you didn't. You were laughing. You were excited. It was great. You were looking forward. You didn't know what to expect. You know, we didn't have the internet like we have today. You didn't have the, yeah. you know, webs that showed you what was you're going to do. So you, you had all this imagination of what you thought might or might not be. And, you know, first thing, you know, your bus ride onto the, onto the Bring Me Men, which now does not exist, right? Oh, the ramp, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's when they dropped you off and you knew it. this isn't Kansas anymore, right? I don't think I've still recovered from the cannon going off. Oh, oh, it just, you know, and then, you know, you get chins. What does chins mean? You know, it's like, you know, I, I thought I'd lost some weight. What are you saying chins for? But, you know, you learn a whole, and the little blue contrails book. I, I don't know if they are the contrails book. I assume they still give those out. You They're know, probably on an iPad or something. Now. Yeah, I'm guessing so. You know, it's a chip they embed in you. Now, who knows what they do? But back then, you know, your little blue book and, Boy, you had people in your face. I will tell you, it was a that's a different. It was a different day. I will tell you. I don't know what you remember, but oh, it I, was. I, I remember. Unfortunately, my memory isn't faded at all. I remember a lot of that stuff. Yeah, well, there you go. So yeah, some of that stuff you just you know. I think I'm getting dementia, or maybe I just there are certain things you just don't want to remember anymore. But it was an interesting change from you know being quiet and being at the top of your school and being in you know a high school of you know, a total of uh, 120 people and all of a sudden being thrust in a class of over, what was it, 1560 or something or 1570? 15, 15 something, yeah, 1500. Yeah. yeah, it was one of the, I think we were the biggest class, as I recall, ever the academy ever had as an entering class. Well, because we had to fill in the gaps and the guys who were quitting before the two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and of course, as they will remember now, it was, we were, there were no women. That's right. You know, it's all, and so that even made it even stranger. But, you know, I guess nowadays it's that's that's the thing again that you know those things have changed. So, sorry, I ramble on. Oh, Go ahead, John Boy. So, Jim, the one the one thing that sticks out in my memory, and I'm curious if you remember this, was we had a Fourth of July uh, that first week, and I remember going to the Mitchell Hall, and they 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 put these little square ice cream things out in front of us. Remember the little square with the flag on it, and they. I, were, I, they were yelling at me so much. All I all I could do is look at that thing melt, and I never got to touch it at all. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, you know, certain things I remember from Mitchell Hall. I, I must admit, John Boy, I don't remember that particular incident. But there were a lot of things in Mitchell Hall that 
you know, the flying potatoes and, you know, (laughs) and of course, but, you know, I digress. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I remember they are making us write letters to our parents. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember I remember having to do that and to our the guy that got us in. And luckily, I was a presidential nomination, so I didn't have to write anything to him. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm assuming they still force stuff like that to happen with the new class. I, I don't know. But of course, you know, who knows these days that, you know, how that it'd be interesting to go back. I, I, I would wonder how it changed from the I don't know that I could do the physical exercise anymore, but, uh, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, to see the kids up there. I mean, you saw the pictures. I remember down the gym where you could see, you know, the freshman year and you look like, you know, scrawny guy. And now, you know, at the end of the four years, you look like Hitler's youth, right? You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. I also, I also wonder if it's bad to have the social connection, you know, with the phones and everything. You're never not connected to your folks. You're on. You kind of, you can always reach out to the people you left behind, and, and we couldn't do that. We had to kind of hunker down yeah. for a week at a time. Yeah, I, I don't know what the new class. I'm surprised. I would bet that some of the new class doesn't even know what a map is. Yeah. Well, I know they don't know what a slide rule is. <laughs> oh, or a, solid, or a circular slide rule. Yeah. I still re- I remember they somebody paid like 120 bucks for a calculator, yeah. you know, for the math final or math. And I now, you days, you can buy them for three bucks or something with a box top. But if yeah, to I just. For one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, holy, holy crime. I just, you know, you're envious of the guys who could zip through the the calculations but yeah i i still have it down in my uh not that i use it for anything but it's just to remember that there are certain things that maybe one of these days i could sell it on ebay for something well i, I carried mine for a long time and then finally over the different climate changes i think it warped and it wouldn't work anymore and it, and i never knew how to use it so i finally threw it away <laughs> well that's probably a smart thing to do it's certain things you probably ought to throw away but anyway so, so yeah that Go after ahead. the uh first year i mean how Dual year was okay for you. No, no earth shattering things. Um, I think Hell Week was the one that kind of threw me for a loop. I don't know if you remember. I mean, yeah, freshman year is freshman year. I mean, you know, back then there were thirty six squadrons. I don't know how many there were, but I was in the new dorms both times, right? Okay. I was in twenty nine, and then I went over to thirty. The pinks in the last three years, but I do remember. The week of Hell Week started off and, you know, and and I'm assuming they still do Sammy's and all that stuff. But I remember the day that Hell Week started, it was, I think, a Saturday morning or they were doing their inspection. And I had, you know, and and you get to know some of the guys, the upperclassmen. And, you know, people are people. They're not all a-holes. But, you know, there are some that you get to know better than others. And I remember them coming into our room and we're standing at attention, you know, to the, and they were going to find something, you know, wrong. You didn't care what you did. You, you stayed up all night trying to, you know, spit shine the floors. And I remember my, I had a guitar. I don't remember that, but I, I had bought a 12 string guitar, a Gibson guitar, hmm. and it was underneath my bed. Oh, and, and these guys came in the upperclassmen because you know it's hell week we're gonna find something wrong and they just started turning stuff over yeah and they flipped over the bed and it landed on my guitar case and you know it's like you look down like that just landed on my guitar which 
you know, at the time it was an expensive purchase. And I'm just thinking, you really did that? And I'm looking at the guy and he looks at me like, "Uh uh-oh. And then he turns around and walks out and I'm, I'm just looking at him like, you're going to pay for that if you broke. And it's like, no, that was the start of hell week, which he did crack the case and he did crack the guitar, but I never got any payment for it. But yeah. So those were the days that was freshman year. That was what I remember. And I'm just glad that hell week finally ended. Right. And I didn't have to walk on that stupid terrazzo marble strips anymore in this slick uh, rain and snow yeah oh yeah well remember the guys would you tell you hey wad drive out here you without the underwear <laughs> yeah. and then you and you go up and then the guy would look at you how would i know yeah, really. <laughs> well i i never i didn't fall for that i fell for other bad ones but i didn't fall for that one i fell for it okay fine you know okay so Sometimes so, we're not the sharpest tool in the kit. Go ahead, John so, boy. So then, then you had your first summer, your second summer, but your first upper class summer. Yeah, what did, yeah. What did we do? Didn't we do was that Siri? Yeah, it was Siri I, and parachuting, I think. Because I think yeah, you I, were in the same jump, the third yeah, thing. Yeah, sir, yeah. I, you know, I, I will tell you again. That's my Siri. I. I was going to hold out, man. You were not going to crack this nut. <laughs> and, you know, and I remember that I I held out. There was an interrogation going on or whatever. And anyway, I was, no, nope, you're not going to crack this nut. And then all of a sudden, I hear all the other guys give it up for nothing. And I'm looking around at these guys. I'm going, really? You know, in my mind, mentally, I'm saying this. I didn't say it verbally to the interrogators. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I did love the I did love the raisin bars. Those things, I still those fruit bars are still great to me. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I could never eat the rest of those dried. And to this day, I will not eat an MRE. I will not. I will rather live off body fat. <laughs> but uh, but then yes, and then of course going down to Fort. Benning for Sergeant Manio. <laughs> I remember that guy. Oh, little 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 guy from the Philippines, and you know he. You do your practice jump, and oh, you landed on your back. You didn't roll right. You know, and you had to get five successful jumps off the tower before they would move you on. Yeah. And he said, "You're gonna break your neck." I said, "But hey, Pat, yes, you did. Thank you, Sergeant Manio." And on you went. You know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so that was, you know, those two summers, that was an interesting time frame, that's for sure. But yeah, so then we came back. And then you became a Pink Panther. What was there your, we go. Uh, what was your first uh, recognition that you were in a weird little place? When I saw the guy wearing the Pink Panther outfit, Tom Kane. <laughs> the giant paper mache Pink Panther. Yes! Mr. Tom, yes, Mr. Pink. I go, what is on with this? You know, I mean, at the time, you know, you don't associate anything. But, yeah, that was my first, you know, seeing the – and, you know, they were pretty – you know, everybody was pretty friendly to you. And, you know, and, of course, you had to do what you just got done to you for a year. But that was my first. You know, it's and it was 36 Squadron. So, you know, I like I liked being on the new dorm. I don't, I, I don't know why, but I didn't care for the old dorm. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts are. I just didn't like it, but. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I spent dual year in 15 and it was 
it was the opposite of the Pink Panther. So I, I'm I was very happy to be out of prison. Yeah, yeah. So I, to me, it was just down the hall. The 29th into the 36th was not that far of a walk. So it wasn't that big of a change physically from the location, but it's still like <clears throat> it's just closer to the chapel, I guess. Now, right. other than being one of the funniest guys we've had in the squadron, you were also <laughs> you also pulled off or, or got involved in something that was fairly unique. And I'm not sure if they still do this, but you you got involved with the French Cadet Exchange Program. Hey, now let's not go personal here. It was an exchange that he was coming to the academy. Nothing physical happened. Not that there's anything wrong. No, yeah. I'm just, I'm saying you you, you yeah, were yeah, yeah. you were the guy that got selected to help host the guy. Yeah, yeah, France Francois Pierre. That's the name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Francois and I. Yes, we. Yeah, it was an interesting. I think I took French. I don't know why I did that. I didn't think Spanish was going to be very useful to me, and I knew I couldn't speak German, and any uh, language of the Far Eastern persuasion was going to be above my mental capacity to regurgitate so so there there right there is why you so much smarter than me i had taken latin in high school so i figured i was screwed in all the european languages and the only thing i thought well maybe i could take a language that nobody's taken and i took japanese and i show up and i'm in a class with a bunch of guys from hawaii and california that were all uh second uh nisei type folks they were all speaking japanese at home growing up and i was oblivious in that class well, yeah, yeah, well, I just, you know, I, I knew guys, other gentlemen that I befriended at the academy who took those foreign languages from those countries, Japanese. One guy was taking Japanese. I just, I just thought, you know, I have enough, uh, you know, sayonara is about the best I could do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was, and I thought French, you know, I thought, well, I may have a use for that someday. Who knows? So yeah. it was interesting to have the guy. He was from the, uh, yeah, he was a. Uh, he tried to speak English, and I said, well, I'd better practice speaking French with you. And I think after about a week, he finally realized my Hoosier accent was not really cutting the French mustard, so to speak. So he just asked, he just asked me, why don't you just speak in English? It would be better, and I'll be more efficient to get learning English a lot faster than trying to teach you how to speak proper French. So, so how, did, but I mean, how did you end up being his host? Uh, they, I think it was a random, I mean, because I was in the French class and the captain who was running it, and I now, I see his face, yeah. but I can't remember the name, but he, I think, uh, said, well, you'd be a good host for this guy. And uh, he's looking for someone who <clears throat> may have a, you know, typical American or typical Midwestern accent. He didn't want somebody from the Bronx or, you know, a deep South. So I, I think it was just by random choice that I was picked to be his, his roommate for the first semester, the, the semester there. So, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting marriage. But I, I said he asked if I would like to do it. I said, sure. Why not? I thought maybe it helped me pick up French faster. But that was not the case. <laughs> well, but he, he learned enough English. He became a pretty integral part of our squadron for a while right he was there for yeah he did yeah, yeah he did and then you know obviously it was uh he was kind of a slinky i don't know if you remember him but he's a very thin gentleman yeah. oh underweight guy yeah 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 kind of underweight and uh you know it was an interesting you know and he but and you remember i after we graduated i went over to the french air force academy i did not remember that yeah i was uh actually i went over there you know 
I don't know if they still do this at the academy, but when you graduate, remember they used to take money out of your pay every month yeah, and, and put it into a pot. And so at the end of graduation, they gave you that money back kind of as a graduation present. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and so my tour was to go. I decided I wanted to go over and visit Francois at in France. And so I went over there, caught, caught hops, and I actually showed up at the French Air Force Academy the day, the Bastille Day. Oh, wow. Which was, you know, the French Revolution, you know, the, the and yeah. so they put me in a French uniform uh, <laughs> to mix with the dancing ball and the Americans that were visiting the French Academy guys. <laughs> and here it is, the butcher of France trying to speak <laughs> and as, you know, to begin with, as people who haven't ever seen me, I'm a six foot, you know, Aryan yay youth, <laughs> blonde haired, and I'm not looking the typical French guy, and the uniform's a little tight on me. <laughs> and of course, I'm walking around, and pretty soon, a couple of the French officers kind of recognize that who is this Yahoo? <laughs> and they asked Francois to politely escort me off the floor as uh you know i was trying to talk with some of the f american uh, embassy uh personnel who were there at the bastille invitation and yeah. were speaking french to me and i gave them the old chicken eye like are you talking to me <laughs> that's great <laughs> so yeah that was that was kind of my one and only chance to be at the uh, provence down in the french air force academy on Bastille Day, kind of one of those unique opportunities. Your diplomatic career went fairly quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> I, I didn't think I was going to be uh, requested to come back to teach at the French Air Force Academy, if that's what you're asking. That, that's pretty cool. So, oh, that, so with that adventure, that, um, that sounds great. I, bet, I, I love hearing that kind of stuff. Did you, uh, do you remember anything else about uh, other summers, like third lieutenant or anything else you did? Uh, I do remember going down, you know, I, I was chosen to fly at, uh, was it McDill? I think it was McDill at the time. Maybe it was, yeah, F-4s. I got third lieutenant down there to get an F-4, to an F-4 base. And of course, the epitome of all guys who wanted to go to pilot training would be, you know, uh, or for me anyway, I wanted to fly fast and I wanted to fly fighters. So I got a chance to go to that location and of course it's a three-week you know tour with them and at the usually they give you a uh orientation flight kind of as a kind of a congratulations and wouldn't you know it the one day that i was supposed to take mine guess whose alarm didn't go off oh no oh no is not the right word oh oh hell was more the <laughs> right of course, then I had to show up at the duty desk and they wondered where was Cadet for his flight. Wow. And yeah, that did not go well with the seniors there. And uh, maybe that was uh, an indicator that potentially uh, you weren't going to make. Uh, they finally gave me another ride another time, but they were not too pleased with my. I'm uh, sorry. So to this day, I always kind of, you know, if something like that happens, not that I would suggest this to other people, but. Rub your hands all over your tires so they look black. Like, yeah, the flat had to change. See, you know, <laughs> you can't do that while you're a cadet, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You can only do it once. 
Oh my! Not that I, that I would ever do that. I'm just saying that. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, it's, it's like I have nightmares about that again. You know, I don't know if you dream, but I I do have a lot of dreams about flying. So anyway, and, well, I, missing... and I do I do have nightmares about being late for something. <laughs> yeah, you go. You late for a briefing? Late for the? Yeah, I do too. Yeah, okay. Sorry, John. So, so yeah, so those are yeah my summer. I I didn't do you know the parachuting was pretty basic, but I didn't get any of the advanced courses like advanced free fall like yeah. Jimmy Doe and those guys or gliders. They took the chance, you know, and we did T forty ones as you remember. Yeah, T. Well, I yeah. didn't fly T forty one. I was I was not pilot called by then. I was doing the uh, NAV four ninety thing. Oh, okay. Well, that was, but they did that, you know, I, I don't know if the cadets today have this, but back then, if you were a pilot qualified, you went to pilot training. At the academy as a first. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 But nowadays, I think only 25%, I think it's a much lower percentage. Oh, yeah. So it's, the numbers are, but they've got a lot of other openings. They don't just, they aren't stuck in just missiles or, uh, or nav school. It, yeah. Yeah. They can hang on the outside of a, Blue Horizon or something, I guess, right? Yeah. There you go, Blue. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, one, one, a semi-serious question is, did you ever think of quitting? Uh, no, because I, I, the desire to be a pilot was pretty strong in me. And uh, so, no, I, I, I mean, do you ever think about really quitting? I mean, everybody has good days and bad days, right? You know, yeah. there are days... You, I've wa- I've marched some tours. I'm sure you. I know you have, but you know, <laughs> one or two. Yeah. But you know, but do you really think about it? I mean, what was the alternative? My desire to be a pilot was pretty strong at the time, so you know, I'll get through it. You know, and uh, we did. I did. I, yeah. you know, we both did. So I, uh, I figured but, they would throw me out before I'd quit. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm hoping that you know. I, I mean. Back then, and still is, you know, the honor, you know, the honor code was still very strong too. And you, you know, it is a difficult lifestyle to lead. But you, I made that choice before I got to the academy that I wanted to stick it through, and I wasn't going to quit because times were tough. Yeah, no, I, I, I was on academic probation so much, I figured they'd just say, okay, we're done with you. Oh, I, I did that one semester, econ one hundred and one, oh, and yeah. you know, law, supply, and demand. Professor, you want me to wash your car? That's your demand. I will supply it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, cool. So, so you graduated and you went off to uh, Columbus. Uh, I did do that. Yes, sir. I went to Columbus. A lot of these bases, you know, that we used to go to are now, I think, relics of the Cold War. But, uh, yeah, they. I went to Columbus, Mississippi. You know, I, I will tell you that's the first time. I went to a mall down there and I saw someone write a check and they endorsed it with an X. Wow. I mean, but yes, but Mississippi was, you know, uh, it was hot. It was humid. And remember the thunder bikes. I don't know if you ever do that. We, there was a group of us back in pilot training. 7708 was the name of our uh, flying unit or our class. And we had these, I don't remember the, the, the hard hats that guys wear on sites. They had these plastic ones with a, a flashing yellow light on the top of them. <laughs> okay. And we were called the Thunder Bikes. And there were about five of us. 
and we would do just like the formation of the thunder, the Wonderbirds, right? And we'd be riding along with our bike lights on, and then we do the, you know, we spread apart the missing man, and we'd have the final, the the thunder bike, <clears throat> the the explosion where we all ran into each other, you know, just <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but yeah, Columbus, Mississippi, and uh, that was, you know, back then they had the T thirty sevens and the thirty eight at the same bases. So. Now they, so- so Thunder Bikes kind of triggered in my brain. Did you get involved in any of the spirit stuff that we did in the squadron before your graduation? Uh, well, we, you know, I don't know if they, I did, I don't know if it was a spirit thing, but uh, remember the streaking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. But I, as I'm far as that, and I'm, I'm thinking of the uh, different sign, the time we painted the AOC office pink. Uh, I didn't do, no, I did more with the, uh, I was watching the people shoot the cannons down the hallway yep. with the tennis balls and stuff. But no, I think that was more in your forte. You guys did. <laughs> I was in it. I think the only the worst thing I did besides the end of the streaking was the remember who the, the the showers. We used to fill them up, you know, put towels over the the drains. And then what, and they, why did we flood the halls? I can't remember that. Well, we put a piece of two by fours across there so the water would fill up in the shower floor and then you could jump and slide across the floor. Yeah. Yeah. But that was and the other one, remember the uh the the actual little um waxing machines? The buffers. Yep. The and you remember buffers. how yeah, and you you remember you remember at the academy, I think they still do the doors open out to the hallway, right? Yeah, I I think so, yeah. Yeah, they and we used to buy the two by four. So if you really wanted to screw somebody up, you would <laughs> you would you would take the buffer late at night or early in the morning after you know because Saturday morning was the inspection, so everybody was up late buffeting their floor to make them shiny, and then you you take tape over the light switches, right? Right, and then and then you would you would tape all the light switches down so they couldn't turn them on. You would then bring the buffer inside and you tape the handle to the on position. <laughs> and then you'd sneak out. You, you'd take the plug underneath the door. And then you had the two by four that would go across, or across the wall because so the door would open, shut. Man. They couldn't open. And then you plugged it in in the hallway. <laughs> and then all you heard was this. <laughs> as, as the buffer started to swirl. And of course, the guys would hear the wind going, hey, you know, and they get up and do this, and the thing would wham them, turn it off, turn it off, and they couldn't turn on the light. Oh, yeah, those unplug yeah, it, they couldn't unplug it either because it was under the door. Yeah. Oh man, no lights, yeah. the buffers, the bad buffers. I think we actually hit somebody's stereo, so that's when we stopped it, but yeah. yeah. But anyway, so yes, yeah, so went to pilot training, graduated back in 70, uh, 1977. We went in 76 and graduated in, uh, I guess, in August of 77. And then you went off to Alkenbury. Yes, sir. Well, yeah, I actually, I put in for a fighter and they didn't have any F-15s. That was the leading aircraft at the time. So I got an RF-4, not an F-4, but a reconnaissance version, which is okay. called... He's called the, they call them the RF force and now, you know, they're on pedestals or I think they're used by drones <laughs> out of Eglin these days and people shoot them down for fun. But, um, 
yeah, that was a it was a single aircraft mission. It was unlike fighters, it's kind of because we didn't carry any munitions. It was just a camera, and we, you know, alone, unarmed, and unafraid was our motto. But you know, <laughs> the other thing we used to say: turns are bad, straight is good. Never volunteer. <laughs> so, That's, how did you have any adventures in in Great Britain? Oh, of course we did. You know, that was, you know, again, <clears throat> you had a camera to record everything that you wanted, right? And, you know, we I, we were always looking for the elusive Nessie, right? In Loch Ness. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, if you were going to fly a mission up in northern Scotland, you know, and, and back in those days, uh, low-level flights were at, uh, you know, 500 feet, 250 feet, 100 feet at 500 knots. Yeah. So... That's, but we would put, before we fly, we'd open the camera bay on the nose of the aircraft and we'd find a caterpillar and kind of smash it on the glass <laughs> below the camera lens. Oh, goodness. And then we'd run it across Nessie and then say, look, we found her. Yeah. You know? uh, but yeah, but uh, well, now, yeah, now, I, you're, now you're in all these uh, conspiracy magazines, right? Yeah, I probably, <laughs> they probably have my picture someplace. <laughs> Proof that it found the American pilot validates that Nessie does exist. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a good time. We had a great time in the UK. Of course, you know, back then there was only one restaurant back in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, they didn't have McDonald's like today. So <clears throat> you had to go into a pub and, you know, you could bring your dog, you bring your wife, but you couldn't bring your child. That was against the law. So, it, you know, we there was one place uh, down in Cambridge that we used hmm. to go to, Sweeney Todd's, the pizza place. <laughs> but, okay. but, but, you know, funny how you remember certain things. But, yeah, that, that was that was uh, three years, three and a half years in the U.K. was a it was a great first tour. But, you know, we were pulpers at the time, so. We didn't do a lot of traveling. I have since, but not at the time. We didn't have much money to do things. So you, you yeah. and I kind of swapped swapped a little bit there. I, I went over and did an exchange program in grad school in uh, Bedford uh, back in '83. So I, I kind of know what you're talking about with the the weird restaurant scene and the uh, the the bars and all and the animals in the bars and all that stuff. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, and then I. I but go ahead. Sorry, John. Well, I was going to say, then you came back to the States. You went to Montgomery. Is that right? No, after I came back, I went to, I was tired of flying fighters, not not fighters. They didn't call RF-4s fighters. They considered a reconnaissance. So I was tired of all that, that particular, I wanted to do something else. So I came back and became a UPT instructor. Okay. I, flew, I went back to, uh, in Lubbock, Texas. Okay. And at Reese Air Force Base. Again, I don't know if that's still, a, I don't think it's still alive, but I became a 37 instructor, T 37. So I figured if I was going to teach somebody how to fly, 37s would do more of the, the teaching, 38 is more of the polishing, right? And you killed so, time for getting a master's degree, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, they think, I, I don't remember if you remember a term that called it bootstrap. Uh, not not Boot- for military. No. Oh. No, a bootstrap was a, a was a program that you could apply for, and I did, and they let you basically get out of your military position for a time to take your schooling full time. So you still had to maintain kind of standards of your, you know, your hair and things, but as far as your day to day reporting, you were your class was your 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 uh, your active duty commitment, and I uh, went to Texas Tech. 
and cool. got a uh, master's in six months. Wow. In, in mil- master's of education. And it was, I didn't realize it at the time, but the major, the majority of the people in that were librarians. Okay. And I think the youngest one was 60. <laughs> okay. So I was the only male in a class of 25 women. And I, after the first class, I said, ladies, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a jerk, but I'm not going to keep holding the door every time all six, <laughs> uh, all, all 24 of you come through the door. It's not that I don't respect women. It's just that I don't have the time to do that every day. So, oh, oh, of course, of course, you know, That's great. of course, they still wanted me to. But yeah, so yeah, I did that for, uh, I went there and did uh, that for, for four years. And then I uh, ended up going back to the RF4 at Bergstrom. And they did that for a long time too, right? No, I actually, well, I did it from 86. That was just after the, I remember the day we moved from Lubbock to uh, Bertram was the day the Challenger explosion happened. Oh, wow. You know, that was going on. So, uh, but yeah, we went to Lubbock and that was, uh, I I was welcome for two years there and, uh, and that, or, and then I was given my, oh, you haven't done your remote. <laughs> Uh oh. So, welcome to the world of the military. And yeah, you need to have your time in the barrel. So, my time in the barrel, I was sent to Korea, Camp Casey. Wow. Which was, I think, the, there was only one base closer to the North DMZ zone, right? Is it, and, so, uh, Camp Casey's north of Osan? Oh, yeah. It's north okay. of Red Cloud. Wow. It's like, it's within lobbying range of a 155 howitzer. <laughs> Goodness gracious. So we lived in a, you know, and so, yeah, we were lived on with the Army, second ID. But because I was reconnaissance, I only went out to the field when the general went out because I was the general's recce liaison. So, okay. you know, when we go out, we wouldn't eat MREs. We would eat what the general ate, which he took his own mess kit. So I didn't, I didn't lose any weight, but the, uh, uh, I didn't gain any weight, but I, I sure wasn't going to eat those dry, the, some of the, <laughs> or sleep out in those slip tents with the rest of the fighter guys that were there with the lower army level. So yeah, I spent a year there and that's when they, they were transitioning the Jeep from World War II Jeeps to the M, or to the Humvees. Mm. So we were one of the first units to get Humvees. So I had my own vehicle, you know, I could drive around the base, which was about two to three miles long. And uh, yeah, yeah, we were, we had our own vehicle. I was, I, I was actually, because I didn't have a lot of the responsibilities, I drove the commander of our unit, an army or an air force uh, lieutenant colonel down from Camp Casey to Osan every Monday we had a meeting. So I was the bus driver and I would take my Humvee, drive him <laughs> down there through the Korea streets of Seoul and down to Osan and then back every Every Monday, that was my oh, wow. job. One, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting experience trying to drive with, uh, you know, with a vehicle that's three times wider than most Korean Hyundai's. Well, yeah, I was going to say the roads over there aren't ready for that big of a vehicle. No, they weren't, and you, you know, and of course, if you looked at anybody, you showed weakness. So you just, you focus <laughs> and you don't give them the sense that you, you know, yeah. So that was you just plow on through. Yeah, yeah, you go, and you know, and you just, you know, you hope the big is beautiful. And those tires were bigger than most car doors of the of the Korean cars back then. So, yeah. So that was my year of uh, remoteness in Korea. And then I 
that's when I came back to, uh, uh, was selected to go to ACSC in residence at uh, Maxwell. Okay, so then, then from Maxwell, it went, you went to Moody? Uh, I, I was selected to go because they didn't want field grade officers back in the RF4. They were having some incidents with people having accidents and said, because you guys don't know how to fly as a two ship. You mm. need to have a wingman. So they wouldn't let me go back to the RF4. So yeah, so they sent me to fly F-16s. Well, that's so, what, a, what a deal. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but you got to remember, John, I was in a years I had almost uh, almost 2,000 uh, 2000 hours of RF4 time, never dropping anything off the aircraft. That was a dropped object report. Yeah. You know, and now all of a sudden, I sort of know how to firing guns and dropping bombs. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't even know how to look at a bomb. Well, it's and, just like an M80, only it's on a wing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, and of course you had a HUD, right? A heads-up display. And yeah. back then, F-16 was, you know, one of the most electric, you know, one of the most more modern jets. And it had a thing that, it, you know, you had to fire the gun and qualify in strafing, right? Well, when you strafe on an F-16, it has an automatic compensator on the rudder because the gun is not centered on the airplane. It's off oh, to the Lord. left. Oh, and Lord. so it automatically <laughs> compensates for that to keep the nose painting straight. Well, it also has a little radar reflector inside the HUD that says when you're within ricochet rain, the X <laughs> shows up saying stop firing. Yeah. Well, that was my tipper. When I saw the X, I knew I had that fill in that parachute. And I was I was the strafe god. Of course, <laughs> you know. As my second to the last ride in the RTU at, at Luke, they said, do you have a death wish? <laughs> because, you know, those bullets will come out and hit your airplane. Well, they haven't so far, and I'm getting 85 out of 100. <laughs> I'm passing my test, man. I'm passing it. And they said, well, they'll correct you in the wing. I said, okay, sounds good to me. This is the, uh, if the men wasn't good enough, it wouldn't be the men. That's whatever. it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, and. So anyway, so yeah, so I went to Moody for a couple of years, and then uh, uh, that lasted till '93, and then I moved on. They were saying that I had to take a remote someplace, and I didn't want. I've already had a remote, yeah. so that's when I came out to Colorado Springs to a thing called Air Force Ten Cap. So before we leave the flying stuff, uh, did you ever have any close calls? Uh. I never saw do 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 do, you know. No, no, the, no, no. Uh, not close encounters. I'm talking about you know near near. You know, no, near no, I, I know what you meant, John boy. I'm just pulling <laughs> your chain. Yes, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I luckily, I mean, I've had events that you know I looked down and and I was having such fun flying that I didn't realize I was 800 pounds below bingo. <laughs> Okay. And five five hundred miles away from where I needed to be, uh -oh. and so you know the F four is not known for its aerodynamic uh, stability and longevity of fuel consumption and glide ratio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It flies <laughs> like a. I mean, you know, the whole thing. If if a brick can fly, the F four proves it with yeah. enough power. Yeah. So, but you know, it was you know I I did you know back in Italy we used to do a thing called salty B. I don't know if you remember those terms, but I used to fly from Bergstrom to uh, we used to have to do a NATO kind of every year certify your 
capability to operate from your forward locating base. Again, we're talking Cold War days. Yeah. So we fly over there and, um, you know, we used to fly low level in Italy. And, you know, one, Italy is not controlled low level. There's a, you know, I think there's a radar at Rome and there was a <laughs> radar as you went near Avion or, you know, from Aviano out towards the east towards back then it was Yugoslavia. And yep. you couldn't fly into Yugoslavia, right? But we used to try to catch the F-104. The Italians flew the F-104. And we used to play, you know, hide and seek and see if we could find them and then fly on their wing and, you know, fly in formation with them. Things that today would not be kosher. But back yep. then, it was a good thing. But as far as anything serious, no, I never had an engine flame out or, a, a, you know, a hydraulic failure or, you know, anything serious, okay. engine fire. Nope. I was very lucky. Uh, the number of takeoffs always equal the number of landings. So there, there was, other than a fuel maintenance management issue, you're fine. That's <laughs> uh, right. As long as you know, if, and it's like, you know, with a guy in the back, hey, how's our fuel doing? And he, here's we go, uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> that was not good the, when I was flying with the Wizzo. But yeah, but I actually flew some flights in the northern, you know, in, in, southern, in southern Watch, you know, oh. when we flew the no-fly zone of Iraq. Back in those days in 92, I flew some missions doing that, some combat time. But again, the Iranian, the Iraqis uh, never decided that when we started pointing towards them, they, they turned tail and run. You could never fire somebody who was running away from you. So, yeah. no, I had a very, pretty blessed uh, flying career. Nothing that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then you end up uh, leaving the Air Force. That's right. I left the Air Force after three years in Air Force 10 cap. And that's when I got introduced to some of the... Uh, this interesting capabilities and uh, I worked a program that uh, again people don't know about it but it was a radio called the Hook 112. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with it but it's a back in the 90s GPS was just becoming part of the of the lexicon of the U.S. Air Force. Okay. Nowadays it, everybody uses it to go from point A to point B but back then there was a guy by the name of Captain O'Grady right? Yeah. I don't remember him, but he flew in in Yugoslavia and got shot down. Yeah. And his radio, he had a, you know, we were trying to implant. He was trying to use a radio and he was underneath his space blanket. And of course, <laughs> the radio wouldn't go out because it was reflective, right? Yeah. So, and people didn't know where he was. So we embedded a GPS capability in a radio by by motor by uh, General Dynamics, it was called the Hook 112, and now they fly with thing called C Cell, right? Or uh, Boeing built another one. But back then, we and that uh, we actually, I I reported and gave a briefing to the four to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and as well as to several of the Army, Navy, and Air Force secretaries on this capability. And it was uh, it was that gave me uh, an insight into some other groups of the special operations folks. And now I you, don't, working... you don't have to tell us anything's going to get you in trouble here. No, no, no. I, I mean, this, I, I, that's where I started my career is, is working with special ops. So, okay. and, and that's been my since twenty since twenty nineteen ninety three. I've been working military, then as a contractor, and now as a government, working specifically for capability to that org to the folks with special operations command. Cool. So that's what I do today. 
And that's why you're not on Facebook and we can't find you anywhere. That's right. You know, you might find my 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 brother Rodaldo or, you know, uh, but you won't find James Fisher there. Yeah, I don't uh, I, I don't I don't I don't partake of those websites. I just don't want people to have, you know, sure. pictures and those stuff. But yeah, so yeah, I've been doing that for many years and uh, in fact, you know, I you're probably aware that's uh, that's what I've been doing and uh, and I I like what I do. I mean, I've been uh, I stay with a small group of people, and uh, we have been doing successful operations. I I have sites overseas that I help take care of things or manage things, and uh, have been doing that for many years, and been very successful. And I've enjoyed what I've done. So, you know, uh, it's been an interesting time frame. But again, when I left the military, you know, I got out after 20 years. Uh, I was thinking at the 10-year point: is that something I want to go fly? commercially and i decided no i like the military and so i decided to stay in 20 and then have never regretted that cool no that that's great yeah when i when i left the military flying i didn't want to i i was not pilot qualified so it didn't matter but i did not want to even get a private uh personal plane to fly around because i knew i could all i could do is kill myself (laughs) (laughs) well you know yeah i i did i tried to go once i got out but at that time that was when they were uh they were cutting down on the pilots. The the airlines didn't need pilots, unlike today. If you know how to spell <laughs> airplane yeah. with less than two corrections, they'll hire you as a pilot. So, well, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I've been replaced by computers twice in my in my life. Once there by you go. Na- the nav boxes replaced all of the commercial nav guys, and then uh, the EA six B one from four guys to, to to or to two guys with the EA six EF eighteen now. So. All yeah, yeah. Is, uh, being yeah, I mean, everything, you know, the days of having man in the loop is becoming more man watching the loop. Yeah. Yeah, we're all worried about the Schwarzenegger's Terminator movie coming. To yeah, life. there you go. We're going to self-actualize here shortly. So, yeah. Well, uh, so, well, thanks for doing this. I, I hope this was a fun time for you. Well, I, I hope it's, it's, in, it's insightful and helpful to the guys and the gals. You don't know if that's polite to yeah. say it or properly, but you know, it's an interesting career. And you know, if you're going to do it, it's a challenge. Uh, I did find it hard to look in there, you know, to go back to the academy after I graduated for a while. But I have been up there on the terrazzo, I mean, up on the chapel looking down at it. And uh, you know, it's been an interesting uh, time frame. And uh, would I change it if I had to do over again? No. <clears throat> I, I'm glad I didn't pick the TV repair career because that would have been a <laughs> that would have been a downer, man. But uh, I think you, you know you have to choose what you want to do, and if it's what your dreams are, then go for it. And hopefully you'll be successful, and uh, hopefully have a long career in the military if that's what your desires are, or at least take the education. It's really a great education. Outstanding. Thanks, pal. Hey, no worries, John Boy. Good to hear your voice, and uh, stay healthy, sir. Yes, sir. Thank <laughs> you.